celebrate and or applaud fathers. Um, there's so much emphasis on negative activity of fathers, and for example, the deadbeat dads, etc. Um, but I want to take a different approach. My approach today is to celebrate and to applaud those of us who are fathers. And I'll explain that to you in a moment. Let me just go, let me take you to the, let me tell you first of all, I'm going to be talking about building a legacy. Building a legacy. And I'm coming out of the book of First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read for you that text from the King James Version. And then I'll take, go, go further. So second, First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 1 through 5. It says, furthermore, David, the king, said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things to be made of gold, and silver the things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistening stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble uh, stones in abundance. Verse 3, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of our God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophria, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses withal. Verse 5, the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artifice, or artisans, if you will, who then is, who then, verse 5, who, the last piece here in verse 5, who, and, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? That is the primary text from which I'm going to be talking today. So let me just say again that, that I'm going to be talking about building a legacy. And I referenced a moment ago about, you know, we have, a, okay, if you, like me, see the look at the evening news or whatever, you get a lot of negative stuff, right? Somebody got killed, somebody got done. And, and sometimes you just want to turn it off. And we find oftentimes, as it relates to fathers, we get similar kinds of negative behavior or actions or commentary. So again, my, 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 my focus today is, is not to go there. My focus today is to, how can we speak to those men who are doing what they're supposed to be doing as fathers? I want to applaud you. In fact, I think we're going to celebrate ourselves. Let's give ourselves a hand today. Because I see in this room men who are fathers who are taking care of business. And those are the men who I believe we should, we should, be, we should applaud and celebrate and encourage. So as I was thinking about this, on, April, on, rather, on May 19th, Ebony did an article. And it reads, Beyond the Myth of the black deadbeat dad, it's time to start perpetuating the absentee black daddy, quote unquote, tale 
because the statistics show us something much different. So again, it, it sort of lends to my, my idea, my thought of saying, let's applaud, let's, let's encourage those men who are actually being good dads and fathers. Amen. That being said, it's Father's Day. And so the question should be raised, well, what is a legacy? I'm talking about building a legacy. So what is a legacy? And then how does one build a legacy? And then what are the, or rather, what characterizes the thinking and behavior of those who build legacies? So let me give you a definition to help you. And I'll be repeating this as we go because I want, you, I want to be sure you get this. Legacy it can be defined as something that happened in the past or from someone in the past. Example would be some deed or some act that was performed by someone in the past. Another definition that can be used is something that is received from someone who has died. Examples would be like things like property. How about pain and suffering? How about love and respect? How about music? Well, you, you recall recently Prince passed away? Prince Rogers Nelson passed away? And he was often referred to as a legend in his own time. Now, I didn't, I, look, I'm not, a, I'm not a Prince fan, so I don't know all, all of his music, but I'm told he was prolific, yeah. I'm told. Okay? With his music and his writings, okay? Uh, but he, he left something for those of us who are here and for those of us who use his music. Okay, then how about Muhammad Ali who just passed away a week or two ago? Another person who left us something valuable. He left us strength. He, he left us with a sense of, of, of purpose and valuing who, who and what you are as a, as a person. So th those are expressions of or examples of men who left a legacy, okay? So I'm, let me repeat this again. Legacy is something that happened in the past or from someone in the past or something that is received from someone who has died. I'm talking about building a legacy. So from, from two perspectives, let me, let me deal with this. From a, what I call a micro perspective and a macro perspective. The micro perspective is within the context of your home. Okay, focus there. The macro perspective would be from business and church, etc. So in that regard, how then do we build a legacy within a home? How do we build a legacy within the context of church or business? Let me quote from John Maxwell. He says that a legacy is created only when a person puts his family or organization into the, the position to do great things without him. Mm. Let me say that one more time. A legacy is created only when a person puts his family or organization into the position to do great things without him. Let me tell this, let me say this to you. If you are insecure, you don't want someone to do better than you. 
old. But when you're secure within who you are, you want to make sure that others can do well also. Okay? And so if you're going to build a legacy, then you got to make sure that you're doing things that benefit others when you're no longer around. All right, so let me give you another example of another word that's used to define legacy. It's called inheritance. Okay? You've heard this text as well from the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the unrighteous, for, rather, for the righteous. Now, children's children mean his grandchildren, y'all. So for those of us, like, well, I got, we have two, only two. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to have a few more, but I only got two. Okay? So it, it's my role to to be sure that I leave something for them. Now, something can, it can be something material, but, but there's another aspect of it. How about the process of, of, of succession? Prince, oh, we'll talk about it. I'm going to hear myself. Okay. So, so I, I want you to begin to see now that there are things we, we can leave for those who follow us. All right, so inheritance. So we met, and by the way, for those of, those of you who always, those of us sometimes who think that, that when we hear that text, the second part of that text, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up sort of for, the, for the righteous, uh, let me say that, that you may, as a righteous person, benefit from that, but there's no guarantee, okay? A wealth does not make one good. If you don't believe me, look at the presumptive nominee for the Republicans, Okay? God favors, we should be looking, looking toward God's favor, okay, and trusting in him to meet our needs versus trying to get all the wealth we can get in our lives, okay? So there's, there's another, as I look at this word inheritance, let me give you another perspective here. In the Old Testament, the emphasis was much more on possession rather than the process of Succession, okay? So in the Old Testament, we talked about inheriting stuff, land, property, things. More or less, less on the process of succession. I'm going to talk about that as we, as we go, all right? So let me, let me put, let me, I, I, I pulled out of a will, an actual will, this language, because it, it really speaks to that possession piece. This is, and I quote, I direct that my legally binding debts and funeral expenses be paid as soon after my death as convenient, and that all legacy, succession, transfer, inheritance, estate, and other similar taxes be paid from my residuary estate as an, ad as an administrative expense. Okay. What in the world is all that legalese talking about? First of all, let me say this to you. Daddies, you're not too young to have a will. Okay. At the age of 25, I had a will. What? Yes. I had a will because I had bought some property. And what I did was I, I, I bought a, a multi-dwelling, but at the time my parents were separated. So I wanted to make sure that if something happened to me, they had a place to live. So I, I developed, a, I, had, I had a will drawn up 
where that each one of them had their own apartment in that building. All right? Men, fathers, don't leave your family hanging. Get a will. You're not too young to develop to have a will made up. All right? We're talking about building what? A legacy. How do we build a legacy? By having something that happens, or you're getting something from someone in the past, or that you get something from someone who, who died. If you kick the bucket tomorrow, how's your family going to survive? You want the government to come in and take all, every little bit that you got left? Okay. So, what's this got to do with church and legacy? Everything? Okay? We're talking about building a legacy. Let me take a little further. Let me, before I get, get into the text, focus on one other thing but that I think is, is critical in building a legacy. This is Father's Day, right? Men, fathers, can I talk to you all for a minute? We said earlier on that one of the things that we can do, leave as a legacy was, it could be something, it could be things like music, it could be pain and suffering, it could be love, etc. Well, here's one of the things I want the men and fathers to understand. We as dads need to be proactive in creating what I, in creating what I call a healthy, or creating healthy relationships. Okay. How many of you know friends and family members where in that home blank breaks out all the time? Blank, fill it in. Okay? Because the relationship between dad and mom and children is so toxic. Okay? What I want you to understand is it is critical that we as fathers be the leaders in creating a healthy atmosphere for our family to grow up. Okay, let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. Uh, uh, some of you may know, know the name Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman wrote a book called Five Languages of Apology. And here are the five things that he talked about. He said that one of the things that we need to learn to have a healthy relationship is to learn to say, I'm sorry. Oof. But I heard, what's his name on NCIS? Uh, the, the, the boss. Gibbs. We don't apologize. What? Wait a minute. If you're wrong, you apologize. Okay? And if you're going to have a good relationship in your, in your, in your home, you better learn how to apologize. Okay? So, so, so you, you, you gotta, the first thing you gotta do is learn how to say, I'm sorry. When you're wrong, you're wrong. All right? Okay. Next thing he, he, he talks about is not blaming someone else. Okay, I messed up, so I'm gonna blame my wife. I messed up, so I'm gonna blame my children. I messed up, so I'm gonna blame the boss. Right? Okay, 
Let me take you to the book of Psalms for a moment. Familiar, familiar text, Psalm 51, y'all. Familiar text. Psalm 51 and 4. Here's what it says. This is David talking to God. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You know what David's talking about? David committed that, that, that sin with, with Bathsheba. He created adultery with Bathsheba. And he, and he tried to get away with it, y'all. You know, he tried to kill a man's, kill a woman's husband, put him in the front line so he can find him. Yeah, did, did stuff. He, you know, he, he tried to shift the blame to somebody else. But then he came to his senses, brothers, and he took the blame for his own mess. All right? Men, sometimes we mess up. We do. We got to take responsibility for our mess. And remember Psalm 51 and 4. Okay. Next thing he talks about as one of those five, five languages of apology is called restitution. In other words, we need to, when we, when we mess up, we need sometimes, we have to restore and compensate someone or some, someone for what we did. So restitution is the third thing he talks about. The fourth thing he talks about is authentic repentance. Look here, guys. If you messed up, okay, own up to it, say I'm sorry, mean you're sorry, turn from that mess and get it right. I'm talking to Father's Day, right? I'm talking about building what? A legacy. I'm talking about building a legacy. All right? So authentic repentance is critical. And the final thing is forgiveness. Look here, y'all. Forgiveness is a gift. It's what I give to you, what you give to me. We need to learn how to give forgiveness. Because you know why? When we don't, we, we, we become the ones who, who suffer the most when we don't forgive. So let me summarize for you how we can create and develop healthy relationships. We must learn how to apologize. Look at the fathers now. We must learn how to apologize. We must not blame others for, for what, we do, what we did. We must make restitution. We must be authentic in our repentance. We must, we must recognize that, that forgiveness is a gift. Now, while I'm speaking to the brothers, ladies, it can apply to you, it applies to you too. But this is Father's Day, right? Okay. All right. So let me then move into the essence of building a legacy. There are four P's that I want to talk about today. Four P's or four pillars that I want to talk about that we use to construct or to build a legacy. Now, I said to you, I'm going to remind you about what legacy is. Something that happened in the past or from someone in the past or something that is received from someone who died. 
So the first P is purpose. If you're going to build a legacy, the first pillar of that structure, if you will, that, 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 that uh, framework is purpose. Looking at the text in that, in that we have in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 to 5, and also, if you go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 8 and 18, you'll see purpose reflected. This is, and this is what I mean. David purposed in his heart to build the Lord a temple. Okay? He, he wanted to have a place where the people of Israel could worship, a permanent location versus a tent that was moved from place to place. And he wanted to be able to place in that temple all of the items, the oracles that were used for worship. So, the point here is that David was resolute. He was intentional about what he wanted to do. Again, I said he had it in his heart to build this temple for the Lord. Now, if you look at David's life, look at the gamut, the range of, of, of roles and, and his behaviors. For example, he was a shepherd, as we know. He, he was a poet. Uh, he was a musician. Uh, he was a warrior. He was a king. He was a father. He was an adulterer, and he was a worshiper. He was all that. Okay? So guess what, guys? Don't be intimidated by that. Because guess what? Some of us are in the same kind of boat. We got some good stuff that we've done and some stuff that we didn't do that was, wasn't so good. And yet, he, he had a heart after God. And so, for you and for me, it's how can I pursue God's will and purpose in my life even though at times I mess up? All right, so the first thing that we know in building a legacy is that we have to have a sense of purpose, the first piece, the first pillar in building a legacy. The second thing, or the second pillar, or second P, is principle or principles. You've heard the text, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Let me also take you to, again, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, and listen to, some of the, listen to the advice that this father gives his son. Okay? Let me read this to you for you. Uh, Proverbs 4, verses uh, 20 to 27. He says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. There's that word again, heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. 
Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left. Remove from your foot, rather remove your foot from evil. Now, if you just take that verse alone and don't look at the next, those verses, don't, don't look at the next chapter, then you, you kind of miss the point. Because in the next chapter, he talks about he's setting his son up for avoiding an encounter with a harlot. Okay? He's, pre he's prepping him, son, don't go there. It reminds me of a sermon we heard last, last Sunday in, in Maryland. And the pastor was preaching. He's trying to encourage folks not to engage in certain kinds of behavior. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to the text. Take the advice of the, of, of, of the preacher to his son. Don't do it. Okay. Let me give you another example of principle. Principle is the second pillar in building a legacy. And so in Psalm 119, verses 11 and 12, again, familiar text. And this is what it says. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. If you're going to build a legacy, you need to have principles that come from the word of God. So it's, it's purpose, intent, and principle, the second one. Now, please also note that our lasting value will be a reflection of our successes. In other words, if we are going to have any worth, if our life has any meaning or value, then it's a reflection of those we leave behind. Okay? So our lasting value will be a reflection of our successes. And what you'll, what you'll see is that David set Solomon up to succeed. Okay? David set Solomon up to succeed. Okay, so the, the, the next pillar, or the third pillar, that we use to build a legacy is the word preparation. So it's purpose, it's principle, and then preparation. Now, when you look at the book of First Chronicles, going back to chapter 22 through 29, you begin to see the things that David did to prepare for his successor. And by the way, his successor was his son, one of his sons, in this case, Solomon. So here's, here's what we begin to see from the text, in the text going back to, to chapter 22. We see that David 
made provision for material things that had to be done for the temple. Material possessions, okay? For the, for the construction of the temple. He also prepared the religious and political leaders for the, for the, for the task they had to play in his succession. And then he charged the people of Israel to do, to worship God as they should worship him, according to uh, the scriptures, during, uh, once he uh, was to, 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 to leave the scene. You also see him charging Solomon, okay? Uh, and and, and, and in, this, in the course of sharing this information, he, he laid out for them the pattern of how the temple would look, all right? So here's my point here. David prepared the people for what was to come, all right? He prepared them for succession. Now, some of you, you may or may not have heard this expression, that there is no success without a successor. Right? You've heard that expression? And I, I would say again, it is critical. If you're going to be successful, uh, you won't be able to do that unless you're willing to give something of value to somebody else. You can't say, well, get your own. I got mine. That's, that's what we hear too often, okay? I got mine by, 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 by pulling up my boot, bootstraps here right, okay? So get your own. Wrong attitude, wrong answer, Okay? What I want you to see from the text is that David set Solomon up to succeed. And the question that I have to ask you, daddies, what are you doing to help your family succeed? How well are you setting your children up, your family up to succeed? Or is it all about you? Let me just give you just a quick, quick note on, when I look at the text and I, I looked at the amount of treasury that David contributed toward the temple from his own resources, I said, whoa, in, in today's numbers, for example, for, for example let, me, let me give you a quick example. In one text I read that David gave or contributed gold or, or 3,000 talents of gold. Now, 3,000 ta 3, talents of gold in today's, in today's world equals 113 tons of gold. Okay? So then, as of, as of June 15th, to 1516, I, I went online and I, and I looked at some, some numbers that, that indicate that, quote, the, 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 the value of gold, that is, the, the value of an ounce of gold. Hmm. An ounce of what they call per troy, per troy ounce of gold was worth $1,284.63. That's as of June 15th. So then I say, okay, so what's the value of a ton of gold? Mm -hmm. 
gold. The value of a ton of gold was $37,486,088. So then I tried to calculate that on my calculator. My calculator wouldn't, my calculator wouldn't do it. I, I didn't have enough memory in my calculator to, to come up with how much 113 tons of gold was. Okay? What am I trying to tell you? David had a heart after God. And David was willing to commit of his own resources to ensure that the temple was built. The other key point here as it relates to this text and David's preparation for the temple was David assembled the leaders in the nation of Israel. And at this point, what I want to do, dads and leaders in particular, is get you to understand the value of what I like to refer to as collaboration, shared goals, sharing common goals, and coming together to achieve those goals. So David pulled together the officers of, of the tribes, the captains of divisions, captains over thousands and hundreds, stewards over the finances of, 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 the, uh, of, the, of the kingdom, mighty men of valor. And so, and then in verse 5 of, of 1 Chronicles chapter 1 and chapter 29, he says this, Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Key point here, folks. He said, who's willing to consecrate himself? And here's the point. If God has your heart, he's got your treasure. Because he knew once you had given God your heart, giving him your treasure is not a, it's not a challenge. And so, so to us today, God is saying to you and to me, do you love me enough to be able to, to, be able to give up some of what you got? By the way, see, David, David and Solomon both acknowledge what I got, God came to you anyhow. So I'm going to give back to you what you've given to me, portion of what you've given to me. And then in verse 6 of that same chapter, you'll see that the assembly responded by saying, they offered willingly their resources. Okay? The other, the other challenge here, leaders, is this. I don't think you need to be a tyrant or a dictator to get people to respond to the need or to the vision. Okay. Right. Let me see if I got that right. Let me see if I heard that right. What, what, what David did was to appeal to their heart. Who will consecrate himself? Who will give himself to God? Because, again, once you give yourself to him, you'll, you'll give back to him what he gave to you. Get that message. Get that message. They gave willingly because they knew, when the, they knew the source of what they had. What they had. Okay, so let me try to wrap up this third P here, or preparation. Fathers, dads, in your home, 
Make it your business to help your children become leaders or, or create a culture for them to become leaders. In other words, okay, let me, let me put it this way. Have you ever seen a child? Okay, no. You don't want your children to be codependent. You, you, wanna, you want the child to learn, teach the child so he can ultimately do for him or herself. Okay? That doesn't happen if you don't make, give that child responsibility so that he or she can do for him or herself. Am I making any kind of sense? Right? So we're to teach our children how to be leaders, how to fend for themselves. Now, some of you probably saw that video a while back where that, I don't know where it was, the police officer snatched the girl out of a chair, yeah. walked across the room. Yeah. Everybody was outraged over that. So was I. I'm thinking, that was my daughter? What? <laughs> but here's, here's, here's the other side of that. If and when you teach your children at home how to obey, yeah. that yes means yes and no means no, when you teach them that at home, it's easier when they go out to school or somewhere else how to respond to authority. But then we spent your authority, what you expect to do when you get in school? Mm. Lord, help us today. Okay, so as it relates to preparation, men, dads, we got to think long term. It can't just be about today and satisfying my need. It's, I've got, I have children. I have a spouse for, for whom I'm responsible. I need to provide for them in case I'm no longer here. Okay? So a, an organization, for example, needs strong leaders to succeed. Let me say that again. An organization needs strong leaders to succeed. And we need in churches and businesses, to value team leadership versus individual leadership. What? Yeah. Because when it's all about me, guess what? Later for you. Okay, let me, let me give another principle here. I learned this years ago. Any leader who focuses on himself will mislead. Him or herself will mislead. When it comes about and it's all about you and what I want, what I need, when I want to get in there, guess what? The people, the mission gets pushed aside. Okay. All right. So we, we need to be willing to leave and let your successor lead when it's your time to leave. What? Have you, you, have you seen organizations when... I'm talking organization now, when the leader really has passed his time or her time in that, in that, in that role, but he or she don't want to leave because they like the power, the influence, whatever you, whatever you want to call that, that, that. And then the organization goes from here, it goes to, when it's your time to leave, get out the way, let somebody else do it who can do it. Okay, I, that, that, that's not nice. That's a, I shouldn't say it that way, should I? I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't say it that way, should I? Get out the way. Let somebody else do it. Who can do it and do it well and do it better than you? See, that's part of the problem. Sometimes we don't want people to do it better than us. That's because we are insecure. 
Oh, Lord, help us to. Oh. Okay, all right. As, as Pastor Jenkins said, I'm preaching better than you're saying. <laughs> okay. All right, so here's what we need to do. The question becomes then, who are you developing and who are you grooming as a strong leader? And that we need to pass on our leadership skills to our successors. So I don't want to die leaving my skills and put them in the grave. I want to take what I've got and give it to somebody else who can take it further than I've, than I've taken it. That's, that's the process of succession. Okay? Jesus gives us an example here in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 and 25. This going to be just a, two, two verses, 12 and 17, I'm going to make reference to here. It says, now when Jesus heard that, the, that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in verse 17, then he said to them, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? He was really preparing for his earthly ministry and trying to get people ready to do what needs to be done once he was gone. In John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will, will, will he do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is preparing his disciples to take over once he's gone. Now let me just make reference to, to two historical characters in the church. One of them happened to be Richard Allen. Richard Allen was the founder of the AME Church, the African American Methodist Church. I'm sorry, African Methodist Episcopal Church, excuse me. By the way, that's the church that Bishop Gates came out of, just in case you didn't know that. Okay? Okay, so, 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 so today, Mother Bethel AME stands on the site where Allen converted an old blacksmith shop more than two centuries ago. And the denomination he founded now boasts of over 2.5 million members. His light, whether his legacy of determination, uplift, charity, and faith remains an inspiration to all Americans. Let me give you another one, the one that's closest to me, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason, who founded the Church of God in Christ that I came out of as a youngster. He was born, a humble, uh, born, of, he was born of humble origin and emancipated slave parents. Mason began the premier holiness Pentecostal leader in the 20th century. His legacy is one of spiritual obedience and faith during a period of violent lynching, racial prejudice, social strife, and political upheaval. Folks, we need to prepare leaders to succeed us. We're talking about building a legacy. We talked about purpose as the first pillar, principle as the second pillar, preparation as the third pillar, and the final pillar, or the fourth pillar, is process, process. It's understanding your purpose, your principles, and preparation to achieve what it is 
God has asked you a purpose in your heart to do. Now, one of the ways that we achieve that reality is through vision. So the question is, what is vision? Vision is about the future. Do you know folks are always talking about what, what, what went on years ago? Uh, what went on 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Yeah, that's, that's cool. But guess what? You can't change that. You think about that? You know, and I, I, often want, I often get tickled with some leaders, especially church leaders, who get hung up on making some positive changes for, for ministry. Now, most of these persons, I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate them, right? a lot of these folks drive around some of the latest, latest cars, latest, latest Lexuses or Lexus, latest Benzes, and you know, they, they just drive around. So I say, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you can drive around on those, why, how come you ain't drive around a horsey buggy? How, what's, what's wrong with horsey buggy? I mean, come on, come on, y'all. I mean, you, 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 can, you, can, you can use these newest vehicles, but you can't change or adjust or adapt to things that will help further ministry. Okay, so vision is about the future. Now, let me, let me give you an illustration. This is a package of seeds to um, grow some heirloom tomatoes, big red, they call it. Okay? Now, this, these seeds are useless unless I do what? Plant them. Put them in the ground. Cultivate them. Give them some life. Give them some love. Give them some, give them the right atmosphere. Otherwise, I mean, as nice as they look, I can't eat that. I got to take the seed out, put it in the ground, put it in the right soil, give it the right sunlight. Again, talk some love to it. You know, every now and then dig up around it. You know, do what you got to do to make it grow. Otherwise, it's just been a nice picture I'm looking at. All right? So vision is like planting and sowing seeds. Now, we're talking about process here, which is the final P, or final pillar of building a legacy. Vision is also, vision is determined, rather, vision determines the direction for the person or the organization. Vision is also the blueprint for building a bridge to the future. I, I want to remind you again, vision is about the future not the past. It's about the future, not the past. We should be talking about how can we improve life and living tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next two, three, four, five years, as God gives us a sense of what it is he wants us to be and to do. So, Maxwell puts it this way again. He says, how can I, how can we impact the world, develop leaders who can continue the vision? You have to develop your children to become leaders to, 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 to lead beyond you. You have to develop leaders within your ministries to do what needs to be done beyond you. The second piece of this process piece here is, is mission. 
Vision is about the future. Mission is about task. Okay? If I don't do something with the vision that I have or that we have, then it doesn't get done. What we say needs to get done won't get done. So Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 28, 18, 20, and I'm just going to read three words that, that, that highlight that text. And that is this, go, baptize, and teach. The mission. The mission as it relates to process in pursuing the vision in the course of process. The final word here as it relates to this area is strategy. It's implementing a plan, the steps, to get from point A to point Z. Okay? And it's also, again, it's valuing the team rather than individual leadership. And so the question to you, daddies, fathers, leaders, what you do today impacts tomorrow. What you do today impacts tomorrow. Let me close with a salute to my dad, who has been dead now for approximately 26 years. But my dad was and is my hero. Um, there's no man that I know, know of who had more influence on my life than my father. And I know a lot of guys can't say that. A lot of guys and girls can't say that, but I can say it in my case. And even though my parents were separated, I was age 16, my parents separated. But my dad was still my hero. I loved him, he loved me. Not just me, he loved my other four siblings as well. So I want to salute him today. I want to say thank you, Daddy, for what you gave to me, for what you put into me to enable me to be where I am today. Daddy came home. There was times of tension, good tension and negative tension. But those things happen. Daddy served in ministry. Daddy was an advocate of principal living. One of Daddy's favorite verses was Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, Daddy would say that often. And then Daddy had, Daddy could, Daddy had this strong tenor voice. I, I keep saying I wish I had recorded my father's voice years ago. Daddy could belt out songs like, Poof! and someone reminded me last week. I said, I remember your father would sing, he, and she, she did what my father, she did like my father would do. He, he'd throw his head back and he'd belt out songs. Either as a in a, in a choir or at a church function, at a, at a funeral, whatever, Daddy, Daddy would belt them out. So I remember those days. And at age 73, I still thank my God for my father. So, 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 so daddies, you want to be able to have your sons go to say at age whatever, thank God for my daddy. Thank God for my father. But that doesn't happen unless you build a legacy around purpose, around principles, 
and that you prepare them for success, and that you help them understand the process of succession. It doesn't happen otherwise. And so let me conclude with this verse. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Let me pray. Father, we thank you today. for the privilege to talk about building a legacy, for the privilege to share with these persons that which can change the course of their lives and those who follow them. I pray that as they have heard, I pray that the words of truth, the food that of value will sink deep into their hearts and minds, and that they will take the truth, take the value, take the meat of your word, and apply it to their lives, and become men, men especially and women, who will build a legacy that will honor you. Because we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen.